You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, December 5th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. What's going on, everybody? I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a great start to the week. It's the holiday season. There's lots to talk about. In terms of the mixed martial arts and combat world, we're coming off of a super fun weekend with UFC Austin, BKFC 56, Armin Sarukian just obliterates Benil Dariush in 64 seconds, making a gigantic statement to the lightweight division and, and to a lot of people who felt like perhaps he wasn't living up to his potential. I heard that a lot. Heading into that fight, and Armin Sarukian, despite not being the most popular guy when he walked into the octagon, and he might not be the most popular guy right now, none of that matters because he picked up a absolutely impressive and gigantic win in the main event of UFC Austin. We saw Jalen Turner pick up a huge win against Bobby Green in the co-main event. Short notice, big weight cut, started at 180 when he took the fight, nine days before UFC Austin, makes the weight, and basically puts a nail in the Bobby Green, Jorge Mazadal-esque run that a lot of people are hoping for. Bobby Green was probably the most popular fighter who competed this past Saturday, if you listen to the crowd. Uh, but it wasn't meant to be. Jalen Turner comes out and just obliterates him. Kerry Hatley should be fired. He should never be allowed to referee again after that stoppage. But that's neither here nor there. I talked about that enough. We have talked about that enough. Um, well, that's not really true. But I don't want to take – I feel like a lot of this story has taken away from Jalen Turner's win. And I don't think that's really all that fair. But good for Jalen Turner. He's back in the mix 
after that big win. Davis and Figueroa, what a performance against Rob Font, sweeps the scorecards. He fought great. He fought incredible. I got to say, of the guys who where their stocks were entering UFC Austin to where they are now. Boy, I, I think Davis and Figueredo got a big stock jump, which is crazy to say for a multiple time former world champion. But a lot of people were wondering, can he perform well at 135? Can the skills translate? Can the power translate? And Rob Fon is a super tough test. And Figgy passed that with flying colors. What a performance. Another player at 135. What a showing for Figgy Smalls. Or as Damon Martin likes to put it, Figgy not as small. What a performance from Sean Brady. I got to say, heading in, outside of the main event, the Sean Brady-Kelvin Gaslam fight was the second most intriguing bout on the card because it just had a lot of questions, and as did a lot of other people. The amount of people who jumped off the Sean Brady train heading into that fight, well, even after the Bilal loss, there were a lot of people who were saying, this guy's probably going to fight for a belt. They were just like, nah, he's never going to fight for a belt. He's about to get knocked up by Kevin Gastelum. I saw a lot of that, and that didn't happen. He just, just ran over Kevin Gastelum. The fight was not competitive for more than like three seconds. But Sean Brady did the damn thing. Nasty Kamora submission in the third round. He is back on track after a long layoff. Wins for Joaquin Silva. Nice submission win for Dustin Stoltzfus. Misha Tate, what a performance from her against Julia Avila. She, Julia just couldn't get going at all. Misha just wrestled her and beat the hell out of her. What a performance from the former Bantamweight champion. And if we don't do Misha, Ch Misha Tate versus Holly Holm 2 now, what the hell are we doing here? What are we doing? We had back-to-back powerbombs slash slam KOs from Dakar Close and Cody Brundage, Hidalfo Bellato and Ihor Poteria. What a fight they freaking had. Jared Gooden with a come-from-behind submission win against Wellington Turman and Veronica Hardy. Two wins in a row. Defeating Jamie Lynn Horth and handing the Canadian prospect her first professional loss in the process. That was UFC Austin. Then we go to BKFC. Super fun card. I thought Jimmy Rivera... Jeremy Stevens was pretty fun. I thought Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera is looking real good in that fight, despite being terribly undersized in that one. I thought he was boxing really well, but that's what BKFC is all about. You get a cut, you get hit, you bleed a certain way, and things just fall apart. And there was a nasty cut that was opened up about, above Jimmy Rivera's eye, and Jeremy Stevens gets the Dr. Stoppage TKO victory. Fun fight. We had the heavyweights doing heavyweight things. We had a fun featherweight title fight. Kai Stewart remains the featherweight champion of BKFC. Christine Faria, just being Christine Faria, she is the female equivalent, I guess, to Mike Perry at BKFC. I just don't see a lot of fighters beating her. She did call Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg seems relatively interested in that. Not sure how her contract would translate. To that, but I got to tell you, I am super intrigued by that idea. Christine Faria versus Chris Cyborg in bare knuckle scratches me right where I itch. I obviously the Kayla fight would be bigger, but I'm super intrigued by that idea. I really am. 
but we'll see if it happens or not. And then Mike Perry and Eddie Alvarez just delivered what we expected from those two. Just a violent affair. Eddie Alvarez had a great first round. Mike Perry just got angry and did Mike Perry things, breaking the orb or fracturing the orbital bone. Multiple, I believe, uh, according to Eddie Alvarez. And gets the coach's stoppage. And I have no issue with the stoppage at all. Mark Henry needed to stop that one. And, man, Mike Perry is just born for this shit. Mike Perry is just born for this. And if Mike just found BKFC six years ago, where would we be? Where would he be right now? It's it's a, a fascinating question, but just seeing the difference in Mike Perry, the fighter, Mike Perry, the person, since going to BKFC, it's been freaking crazy, man. It's been freaking crazy. He is a, a star. We do have a, a nice little roundtable on MMA fighting right now. Asking multiple members of our staff, who should Mike Perry fight next? Because this is kind of the issue with Mike Perry is he's getting all these like really fun fights, right? MVP, good fight, super fun. Wouldn't mind seeing that one again, if we're being honest. But that was a big one, right? And then we get the Luke Rockhold fight, and that was a big one. The build to that was big, and Mike Perry just obliterated Luke Rockhold. Like Luke knew immediately, yeah, this ain't for me. And then he fights Eddie Alvarez, another big fight, another great build. Mike in Eddie Alvarez was not like Luke Rockhold. Like he was just like, yeah, I, I love this shit. But Mike just Mike just broke him. I mean literally literally broke him, broke his face. That's what Mike does. So now it's like a really interesting question of who he fights next. Does he fight for the belt against a guy he's already beat twice in MMA. Seems like doesn't have a ton of interest in that. Paul Daly, I think, is super interesting. Could we do Dylan Dennis? I don't know if Dylan is the kind of guy that's going to do that, but Dylan called for it. We'll see. I mean, that would be love it or hate it. That would be maybe the most trafficked fight during it in the history of the website. And it sounds weird to say, but it's probably true. Uh, the Darren Till fight, perhaps, if Darren wants to do it. Perry wants the Mazadal fight. I would be shocked if that happens for multiple reasons. One, he's probably still somewhat under UFC contract. I don't know. If, I mean, Mazadal's done the bare knuckle thing for a long time, so I don't know if he wants to go back to that well, but it'd be a huge fight. So it's going to be real interesting to see where they go uh, with Mike Perry after this performance. But... Yeah, lots going on. Uh, UFC 296, we lost a fight. Luckily, it wasn't one of the main card fights, but still <clears throat> one of the uh, intriguing matchups on the card. Giga Chikadze gets a bit of momentum after a long layoff, beats Alex Caceres, and he gets a big opportunity to fight Josh Emmett, a top 10 guy, and I believe he tore his groin, so he's out of the fight. Promotion still looking for a replacement for... Josh Emmett. We'll see what happens there. Um, so, yeah. That's just part of the news cycle right now. So, let's get right into it. Let's hear from you. If you guys have got questions, line on up. Four-round sniper, go ahead and kick us off on this Tuesday. Yep. I got you. You hear me, Mike? I got you. I think my connection's a little rough. Hi, good morning, Mike. How are you? 
Good. What's up? Uh, I just wanted to ask you uh, your thoughts on Sean Brady's performance. Uh, he went out there and he just dominated. I had a feeling he was going to be able to get Kelvin down at will. I really didn't learn anything about Sean Brady this past weekend. I kind of wanted to see him fight a guy who was going to stuff the takedowns and then, you know, respond by punching him in the face. So what would you want for him next? Like, what do you want to see him do next? Thanks, man. Yeah, he, dude, he looked, he looked damn good. He looked damn good. Um, it was the performance he needed. It was the performance he needed. Now, is Kelvin – and Sean was on the MA hour yesterday, and he was right. He probably gained more from beating Kelvin Gastelum than really anybody else he could have fought, realistically. And I think that's true. You don't see a lot of people do that to Kelvin Gastelum. You just don't. Like, Kelvin loses a lot of close decisions. He's been in there. He's super hard to finish. And Sean just – I mean, Luke Thomas said it best. Like, he didn't – Sean didn't ragdoll him, but it was like a step below that. And it was just super impressive. Like, Kelvin had no answer at all for Sean Brady, which that doesn't happen to Kelvin all that often. So, tremendous performance. It's exactly what he needed. And to me, I kind of like the Ian Gary fight. I do like that. Like, he called for it. I think it makes sense. But obviously, Ian Gary's fighting Vicente Luque, UFC 296. I think the winner of that fight versus Sean Brady is super interesting. I know the UFC was interested in making Brady versus Luque to begin with. And it didn't come to fruition. He ends up getting Gaslam. Luque gets Ian Gary. So I think the winner of that makes makes a lot of sense. I'm not, I don't want to push Brady like to a top five guy right now. But yeah, one of those two guys I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and if Ian Gary... Just goes out and outstrikes Vicente Luque and, and wins. I would like to see how Ian Gary does. Ian has talked about, hey, you've seen me, you've seen me strike, but you haven't seen me grapple yet. And I'm one of the he thinks he's one of the best grapplers in the world, pound for pound. So we'll test that for sure against a guy like Sean Brady. So yeah, I like that idea. I think it makes perfect sense. And we'll see if that's what comes down the pipe. Maybe you do Brady versus Gary main eventing in Atlantic City if that is actually what's going to happen. Barbara Russo, go ahead. Um, hi, Mike. Uh, I just want to ask you about uh, the situation, the lightweight division. Uh, you see, what do you prefer? Because if uh, Charles Oliveira fights Islam and then uh, Justin doesn't fight and wait to fight, then you have a best-case scenario is that Arman fights um, end of the year against Islam, if Islam fights three times a year. And uh, the interview yesterday with Ariel, uh, uh, when Mike, uh, Mike Chandler, Michael Chandler said that he intends to call out Islam after he wins, that makes pretty messy. What I would prefer is that Islam fights Justin, and then Charles and uh, uh, Arman fights for the next contender so that it's not be a long line and the waiting. And so that does, uh, because if Arman fights Justin, then all Islam title defenses are going to be rematches. Thank you, Mike. 
Yeah, it's an interesting spot he's in right now. Um, look, if 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 the UFC announced right now that Armin Sarukian is going to fight Islam Makachev for the title, I would be so excited. For I look, I, I know I'm the Armin guy, and I was like the first on him, essentially in the media, and now he's there, and a lot of people are like, "Ah, oh, well, you're right." I don't care about any of that stuff. Um, I knew how good this guy could be, and I think a lot of other people did as well. Um, dude's real good. And I got to tell you, I don't know if there's any other fight that I want to see more in the next two years than that makachev Sarukian rematch. I want to see it again. I have to see it. It's like one of those fights I have to see now. It's probably number one on my list of fights I have to see. Full training camp, Armin coming off of that win. And look, Armin's not wrong. And just think about what this year has been like at 155. We have had two title fights at 155, both. And this is this is just what happened. Uh, one was just a fight that was perfectly timed and needed to. And the other one, the original fight fell through, and we got a short-notice placement. Makachev Volkanovsky twice, who is a featherweight. So, yes, they are technically lightweight title defenses, but in terms of like lightweight versus lightweight action, Armin Sarukian, what he did to Benil Dariush was the most impressive thing that happened at 155 all year. And that includes Justin Gaethje knocking out Dustin Poirier. To me, like Oliveira melting Dariush was impressive, but he had to work for it a little bit. I mean, this fight didn't get going. Sarukian just clobbered him. And... He did it faster. He did it better than Oliveira did. So this is this was the best weight at 155 all year. Like when we're talking about lightweights fighting lightweights. Having said that, I don't know what's going to happen. Because ju- look, Justin Gaethje is not fighting Armin Sarukin. Like he's not going to take that fight. Why would he? He wants the title shot. He has earned the right to wait for it. He's only going to get one more crack at it. And if he loses to anybody, he ain't going to get it. So if I'm Justin Gaethje, I have no interest in fighting Armin Surukin. What I would like to see, and I think this is what a lot of people would like to see, just give Gaethje the friggin' title shot. Just give it to him. Like, I know you promised Oliveira or whatever, but look, it's not Oliveira's, it's, it's, it's not Gaethje's fault that Oliveira got cut up. He got the opportunity to fight. Got cut. Shit happens. Let's just do something different. Give Gaethje the shot and do Sarukian versus Oliveira. If Oliveira beats Sarukian, like, there's no doubt about it. There is no complaints. No one's going to be like, oh, well, he just, no. We're not going to get any of that. It's going to be like, holy shit, he just beat Benil Dariush and then beat Armin Sarukian back-to-back. He deserves a title shot. He deserves it. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't think that's going to happen because this is 155. 155 is the best division in the sport, but it's also really dumb at the top of it because there is no movement. We finally have a guy who got the opportunity in a top five fight and delivers, and he's going to have to wait a year to get a fight, or he's going to have to fight back. And that's fine if he fights backwards. If they do the Gamrot rematch, like, I'm cool with that. You, you, you think I'm going to complain 
watching that fight again. It's one of my favorite fights in the last five years. Of course I would watch that fight again. I kind of feel like that's what we might end up getting. But if I had my druthers, Gaethje gets a title shot, Sarukian fights Oliveira, the winner gets the winner, and we go from there. That's what I would like to see. But I don't know. If, I don't think we're going to get that. I think they will go ahead with Oliveira. Gaethje sh- probably shouldn't take that fight. Maybe, maybe Poirier takes it if it's at UFC 300. I mean, after seeing what Dariush, what, what Suruki just did to Dariush, because look at Poirier right now. Look at Poirier right now. After that head kick knockout to Justin Gaethje, we're like, damn, this guy's out of the picture now. Like he's never, he's not going to get his last title shot. But if he wants one, if he wants one, he kind of has to take this fight. He goes in there and beats Armin Sarukian at UFC 300. He's in play too. Like he could get himself a title fight. He could. That's just how this division is. I know Chandler said he's going to call for Makachev. He's, I don't know. Who knows? It's so weird because he probably will like, I don't know if he jumps Gaethje. That'd be like super dumb. But who even knows when this Connor fight's going to happen? So, I don't know. There's a lot to think about. Sarukian's definitely going to have to fight one more time. He may even have to fight twice depending on how this all plays out, but it's unfortunate and it shouldn't be that way. But Sarukian just should just have to fight Oliveira and if he wins, he gets a title fight. Like That's how this is supposed to work, but it probably won't. But we'll see. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. We shall see. Eric, go ahead. So, yeah. So I so I think Gaethje should get a shot. Yeah, not all there, but if Gaethje has to wait, he has to wait, bro. But I wanted to see Gaethje versus Islam. That would be a fresh start, a fresh fight, fresh matchup. That's all, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it would be. It would be. And the fights that we've gotten for the title at 155, the ones that were originally scheduled, were like the timing was like perfect for it. The Volk fight, the timing was perfect for it. They were going to Australia. Someone's trying to call me. Uh, Makachev needed somebody to fight. He called out Volk. 
through Habib. It was a brilliant call out. It all made sense. Like all of it made sense. It was great. Um, I loved it. So it made sense for that to happen. There was no like logical contender at the time. October, Oliveira gets the title shot after the Dariush win. A lot of people thought he was out of out of play after getting just melted by Makachev. But then he goes out and just obliterates Dariush, and it's like, okay. They already had Gaethje lined up to fight for the BMF title against Poirier. We knew Islam was going to fight in Abu Dhabi. It lined up real nice for Oliveira. The timing was perfect. But then he didn't fight. So now we can, like, do we have to still do this? I mean, Oliveira's going to be pissed, but that's just the business, man. Sometimes that's just how it works. So, but it probably will be Oliveira, and it stinks. I mean, look, I mean, it doesn't stink. Like, I, I, am, I am interested to see how he can turn it around, but I would rather see the Gaethje fight. I'd rather see Oliveira fight Sarukian. And if he beats Sarukian, then, like, you get no complaints from anybody. Like, the dude gets title shot. But it's probably not going to happen, and we're just going to have a mess at 155, and it just, it just tracks, you know? That's just how this division is. It's the best division in the sport, but there's very little movement. Toke, go ahead. talk about that because something took over um uh, like took priority because i i had an itch i didn't know was an itch before it got scratched and that was when jose young said that maybe <laughs> I, I know this was probably just for fun but if the super fight was brock lesnar versus <laughs> fedor and i was like oh my god <laughs> that is Amazing and hilarious, and uh, I know there's no truth to it, but I would love to have a uh, damn they were good heavyweight championship of the world, and uh, yeah, that's all, Mike. Thank you. That'd be wild. That'd be wild. I I literally have no idea what the super fight could be. Um, I don't know. I I have no idea. At this point, maybe do like a, a throwbacky kind of a fight. GSP Silva, Fedor, Bro- Fedor versus Brock would be crazy. All these years later, um, I think Brock would just kill him. Brock would just tackle him and just sit on him. So I don't think it would be like that fun of a fight. But I don't know. I don't know what what the hell it's gonna be. It doesn't involve Connor. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it involves John Jones and a boxer or something. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? But we shall see. CV, go ahead. Yes. Hey, good morning. Heck of morning. Um, just one quick uh, question for me. Um, just want to get your thoughts on um, Figueredo's... Um, future at bantamweight whether it's another big fight and the chance for him to fight for a belt or even then like i think he's a nice addition to the to the weight class um for as long as he continues fighting and um i just thought of um a good uh short notice uh replacement for um for chikadze against emmett um how about uh diego lopez thanks 
Boy, I, that's that's fun. That's fun. I like it. I love that idea. He didn't fight for very long in his last fight. Boy, that would be super fun. I'm trying to think like who else it could be. I'm. I have no idea. Let me pull up the rankings real quick. That's a man. That's a good one. I don't even see the freaking rankings. There are no. What, what is the UFC? Don't even have their freaking rankings. Oh. All right. I'll pull up this. Okay. Uh, Volk's fighting for the belt, or Volk's defending his title. Holloway versus Emmett's not bad, but I don't think he's got to take that fight on like two weeks' notice. Uh, Ilya's fighting for the belt. There's talks about Yair and Brian Ortega headlining that Mexico City card. More on that in a moment. Arnold Allen is booked. If Loyev is fighting Allen, Cater would be interesting. But again, I don't think he's taking that fight on short notice, especially after that injury. Bryce Mitchell. Let me see. This this division's so good. Is he booked? Is Bryce booked? No, he's dinged up, so he probably won't do it. Uh, Billy Q would be fun. Maybe Edson Barboza? But he's going to take that on short notice? I don't know. Jordan Sabrito? I love the Diego Lopez idea, though. That's a great call. That's a great call. I love that idea. Do it. Do it, UFC. Do it. Because winner, like, he loses nothing in that fight. He, he pro I would probably pick him to beat Josh Emmett, if we're being honest. I love that idea. CV, you nailed it. You nailed it. Clay, go ahead. Hello, Mike. Good morning to you. You too. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to dispute a claim that everyone is saying that uh, that uh, Armand's win over uh, Benny was way more impressive than Charles' win over Benny. First of all, the poor Charles was coming off a loss, and everyone was betting against him, so he was like everyone was counting him out. And Benny, on the other hand, was this undefeated guy who was everyone was seeing as a next title challenger. And everyone was uh, like saying, "Oh, this is gonna, this is gonna, this is gonna be the, the guy who was gonna beat Islam," but it turns out Charles didn't like that, and he just knocked him out in the first round. I know Armand's win might be a little bit more flashier, but I believe that uh, Charles Oliveira taking that win streak from Benny was way more impressive than what uh, uh, what Armand did to him. What do you think? Way more impressive? Why? Why is that way more impressive? Because it took away the winning streak, like he, that, like it, like it, it's like basically the same thing that Gagey did to Tony. Don't you agree? Uh, I don't know. Like I get it. I like I'm I'm willing to listen to an argument that all of theirs is better. Um, but in terms of like stock jumps, there's I mean it's not even close. It's not even close. It's Sarukian. 
I mean, circuit, there was a lot of, uh, even I was, even I looked at the betting lines and was like, eh, this is too wide. And especially me being like the Sarukian guy, even I was like, eh, these lines are a little wide. Like, Betty's the right bet here. And nope. That maybe that line wasn't even was was not wide enough. Just crazy. It's just nuts. Like he just obliterated him. Like he just knocked him dead. You don't see Benny like un, almost unconscious like that. That was freaking insane. So I mean, I get where you're coming from. To say that's way more impressive than Armin, I don't agree with that. But I'm li- I'm willing to listen for the impact. Now at the same token. Charles Oliveira came out of Toronto looking like a freaking superstar. And he also had it like that whole week. Oliveira was the most popular dude on that entire card. And that includes the Canadian fighters, which is nuts. So if we're disputing star power and I guess star power impact, then it's Oliveira because he just looked like a freaking superstar. But Sarukin was kind of like, the heel all week with the whole him and 12 dudes rolling up on Bobby green. But then it's just amazing to see like, no one's even really talking about that anymore. Cause he just goes out and dusts Benil Darius in 64 seconds. Oliveira shut the door on the Darius title hopes, but Sarukian locked it forever. Cause Darius still had a chance to fight for the belt. After all that, he still had a chance to fight for the belt because he took this fight. And now he'll never fight for a title because of this loss. And it's just crazy to think about the swings of the sport. It's wild. But, yeah, I'm willing to listen to the Oliveira having a little more impact because he's a bigger star. But I'm not, I don't agree that it was way more impressive than what Sarukia did because nobody saw that coming. I picked Oliveira to knock out Benio Darius. I thought that was in play and very, very possible. Uh, I don't think it, him doing it in the first round didn't surprise me. But Sarukian knocking out Darius in 64 seconds, even I didn't see that coming. So it was just like a damn, this guy is the real deal. So we'll see. Now, does Oliveira deserve the title shot after just getting dusted by Makachev and then getting one win? I don't know. That's why I think him and Derry, him and Suruki should just fight each other. But we'll see what happens. I do, I do think Oliveira will end up getting the title shot, but it would not be my my choice. That's for sure. Win one more, you beat Sarukian, it is undeniable. You get Gaethje or Makachev, and that's fine with me. Cole, go ahead. Hi, Mike. Uh, I just got a question for you. When do you think the pressure from the fans and media – for Dustin Poirier to fight one of these up and coming lightweights is going to like finally mount enough to where he's going to have to fight one. Like Darius having to fight Sarukin and Gamrot is like, I don't know. Like he's doing all the dirty work in that 155 division for those guys. Like I feel like if Dustin wasn't such a beloved, like such an easy to like guy, there would be a lot more fans saying he's like squatting, not willing to fight these guys. I don't know. I mean, I know he just kind of just fought, but man, like, is he just going to be a top five lightweight for for fucking ever till he retires? Like, 
Benny's fighting all these guys. That's all I got. Well, there's a reason for that because Dustin is a star and Benny isn't. Dustin has done all the right things. Benny hasn't. When the microphone's on Dustin, he says things that are interesting. Benny doesn't. And that's the difference. That's the difference. So when, and look, have we said that Dustin's been squatting? Of course we have. We've been talking about Dustin and all these guys squatting at the top for a year and a half now. All of our ranking shows, that's all we talk about is the lightweight squatters. But you know what? It's also the best division in the sport. And it's the most loaded division in the sport in terms of potential star power. There's a ton of stars at 155, including the biggest star in the history of the sport in Conor McGregor, who is essentially a lightweight, but may fight at 170. Chandler's a star. Poirier's a star. Makachev is becoming a star. Oliveira is a star. Like, there is just a ton of stars at 155. And Poirier, to his credit, has learned prize fighting. As much as he hates Colby Covington, he's a prize fighter. The dude wants exciting fights that's going to make him money. The risk-reward has to be there. Him fighting Benil Dariush, he didn't gain, I, I don't think he gained a whole lot from that. Like, he get he gets something from that. But Poirier could just beat anybody and be in the same position. Like, he could beat Gaethje again or Chandler again. And it's the same impact as it would have beating a Benil Dariush. But he'd probably make more money fighting any of the other guys and be in a much better position. And that is why it is so important that when you have a microphone in front of you, that you do the thing, that you say interesting things. When you come out after beating Matush Gamrod and you say, I will fight 10 more times, when the fucking title is about to be defend or the vacant title is about to be awarded to one or one of two guys, three fights after yours is just one of the worst post-fight interviews in the history of the sport. And now because of that, he had to fight Charles Oliveira. Instead of saying like, hey, I've won eight in a row. Give me the title shot. And I know Darius isn't a big trash talker. And no one's saying that he has to go out there and talk trash. He doesn't have to, like, shit on Makachev. Makachev's not good at fighting. I hate you, Islam. Let's fight. No. What we're just saying is do what you should be doing. Hey, Islam, you said you want to defend your title against me. Be it, if you win, be a man of your word. Let's fight. That's all he had to say. And instead it was like, nah, I don't care. I'll fight ten more guys. And it just immediately was like, ugh. It was the birth of do the thing. It was the birth of it. It was the birth of it. It's what's put Bilal Muhammad in this position because he's made just ill-timed call-outs. And Brandon Allen is learning. You see what Brandon Allen's doing? Brandon Allen's on a nice win streak right now. He ain't calling for the belt anymore. He was calling for the Strickland rematch for a little while, and it was getting a little weird. But now Strickland's the champion. You think he's calling? He's not calling for the belt now. He's saying, give me someone ranked above me. I want a main event. Give me that. Like, he's being smart about it. It is important to do something interesting with the microphone. Now, Brennan Allen gets a big fight next. It is 
smart. He's not going to say, well, I got to win 10 in a row to get a title shot. No, you got to set yourself up. You got to be interesting. You got to create headlines. And then Benil didn't do himself any favors during fight week when he said, oh, I gained nothing from beating Armin Sarukin, which is so false, which was maybe the most false statement of the week. You would have been a win away from the title. You would have been in a number one contender fight if you beat Armin Sarukian. And now you're not fighting for the belt. So to say you gained nothing from beating Armin Sarukian was just bad. It was just bad. And now Sarukian is in a good spot, and he made good, good call-outs. Give me Gaethje. Give me Islam. Let's go. Is Gaethje going to wait a year to fight for the belt? He's got to fight somebody. He should fight me. He's got, and all that just kind of hurt Darius. And Dustin can, can sit around and wait. Dustin can go fight Paul Felder at UFC 300. People will be like, holy shit, Dustin Poirier is fighting Paul Felder at UFC 300. But he could fight Sarukian too. I bet Sarukian gets him more excited than Benil did because he's got buzz. Benil never really got any buzz. You got to have it all. You got to be able to check off all the boxes in some way. Ani, go ahead. That's what? That's like the devil voice right now. Sorry about that. What you got? So, uh, before I actually ask you my question, I just wanted to address the comparisons between Olivera's win over Dariush and Sarukian's win over Dariush. If you just look at those fights, um, you know, from a technical perspective, like from, as in, who performed better, I think... Of course, Sarukin's knockout was way more devastating. It was way more technical and it was way more, how do you say, you know, it was just learned. It just felt very educated. You know what I mean? I just feel like Oliver just, he just decided that he was going to run through Dariush and he ran through him. But I think Sarukin sort of, he was analytical and he sort of systematically did what he had to do very quickly. But I think... <clears throat> When you look at the circumstances, I think Oliveira beat Dariush when Dariush was all the rage. Dariush was the favorite going into the fight against Oliveira, if I'm not wrong. Um, was he? Maybe it switched later on, but I do remember Dariush being the favorite. Everyone just thought that Dariush would outgrapple Oliveira because they saw how he performed in the Islam fight where he was just, you know, for the most part, he was on his back. Um, and I think by beating Dariush, uh, who was on such a long win streak in the way that he did, that makes Oliveira's win over Dariush better than Sarukin's win over Dariush. But the way Sarukin beat Dariush was impressive. The, the knockout was better than Oliveira's knockout. But I think in terms of stakes and in terms of situations and circumstances, Oliveira's win over Darius was more meaningful 
because he was coming off of a he was coming out of a lopsided finish against Islam. He was like it it was a bounce back fight and he asserted himself that he's levels above Dariush. And I think that's why he deserves the title shot. And of course, him being a star and everything that you said about Dariush not doing well on the mic. Uh, I agree with that as well. But I have a question for you, Mike, uh, like switching gears towards uh, Misha Tate. <laughs> Excuse me. Do you think it was more of improvements in Misha Tate's game? Or was it just uh, Julia Avila's ring rust? Because I do remember that uh, a lot of people were quite high on Avila. So I want, you, I want you to tell me, was it Misha Tate improving or Avila just being, you know, ring rusted? Or was it a combination of both? And one thing that AK and you, you didn't say about, you didn't mention my um, match on onto the next one, a really interesting one. Elvin Gastelum versus RDA. That's it. Oh, tell me what's up. Thank you. I think I think Gastelum and RDA have uh, some kind of a relationship, but so maybe that would would kind of hinder it. But not really sure. Um, the Misha thing. And look, I'll, I'll go back to the other thing about the the whole Dariush and, and the whose win was more impressive, like. At the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Right? Like, Oliveira got a big boost from it. Sarukian's getting a big boost from it. The most impactful thing of all of this is that poor Benny is just never going to fight for the belt now. Unless something crazy happens and he happens to be, like, cornering a fighter on the same card where the title is on the line and someone falls out the day before and he can make 155 the day before. Like, that's the only chance he's ever fighting for the belt. So it's, it's kind of tough. Misha, look, she just had a great performance. I, I was not expecting Julia to just have, like, no wrestling at all. No ways of scrambling just nothing and even when she tried me she just me she just one step ahead of her i picked julia because i thought me she was going to be and, and look she fought pretty angry and she fought with the chip on her shoulder and and that was an incredible performance normally when that happens though you fight outside of yourself you get into a scrap and i kind of took a lot away from the lauren murphy fight where i thought like yeah you know, Misha could just tackle her and do well, but she might just stand there and try to trade with Julian and have a fun fight. Uh, that didn't happen. And at the beginning of the second round, Julia came out and she cracked Misha a bunch. Like, you see, you see Misha's eye. Um, and then Misha was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. What are, you, what are we doing here? And then she took her down and she just clobbered her. It was a great performance. It was a great performance. Um it was a fight Julian absolutely had to take. I do think there is a future in this division for Julia Avila. I think she's she's got a very interesting story. She's super fun as a fighter. And I think she'll grow from this one. Was there ring rust? I'm sure there was. At some, you know, to some degree. But I don't think it was a like I'm not taking anything away from Misha's performance. Like she 
fight IQ was was A plus, and she she finished Julia Avila. It's not easy to do. I don't think anybody's ever finished Julia Avila before. So that was incredibly impressive. So good for her. Let's give her the Holly Holm fight. Let's do the rematch. Let's run that shit back of one of the most underrated fights of all time. Let's just do it again. It's perfect timing. And they're both superstars. Misha goes out there and beats Holly after this win. She might just get herself a title fight. That could happen. We'll see. But great performance from her. She she delivered in spades. Eddie, go ahead. Eddie. Eddie might bounce back out, Eddie, and bounce back in. Uh, yeah, pop out and then re-request. That usually fixes the wheel of doom that you're getting. As uh, well, you go ahead. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, so uh, two questions. I want to add to your convo about um, the lightweight division. Um, I actually don't know why fans are really trying to suddenly say Justin Gaethje doesn't deserve a title shot. He has absolutely done everything the fans wanted him to do, and he was required to do on his end, which was fight one of the newer gen lightweights in Rafael Fiziev, delivered a masterclass of performance in that fight, and even Eshad, one of the best endings to a fight I've ever seen this year. Um, his fight against Dustin Poirier was amazing. He made a great comeback from that, you know. Sure, I guess some ways, you know, I can see the argument, well, you know, Dustin was fighting, what, Michael Chandler, you know, who was not the best win, even for a contender like uh, Dustin. But at the end of the day, a win is a win, and especially if it's in the top five, you know, and you beat someone who was at the peak of the career and, you know, did not lose to any lightweight fighter minus the title the title holders, then I think you've earned your fair shot of that. Um, I think Charles Oliver should fight Islam. We need to get that rivalry over and done with because, you know, we don't know who might win that fight, but I have Islam fully bet on winning that. You know, I think Armand Sarukin could fight Dustin Poirier or he could sit out. You know, he doesn't really have to do anything. You know, I, I, I'm sure the UFC will figure out something. It's just unfortunate that um, Charles couldn't have um, fought in October. Um, another thing I just want to briefly ask is, uh, Jared Cannonier, do you see him likely find Brandon Allen since Brandon Allen has moved up into the top 10? That's all I have. Have a great day. Mm-mm, maybe, but... I mean, it all depends. Is Cannonier going to be back? In, for April or May? I don't know. Dude tore his MC, He's got an MCL tear, so he could be out for a while. It's not a, it's not a quick recovery. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Brennan probably fights somebody else in the meantime. Uh, I love the Mar- – I picked the Marv Vittori fight. I think that's, that's a great one. I'm cool with that. That could headline an Apex card or – you know, if they go international, if they do a card in like Italy or something, Marvin, like throw a Marvin in the main event spot. It's not a bad place to be. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Brennan. I'm not really sure, but yeah, and and you're right about Gaethje. Dude fought back, fought the hard fight, 
fought Raphael Fazeev, beat him, and then he knocked out Dustin Poirier with a head kick. Like, damn good. That's what you need. That's what you want to see from somebody who's trying to get back into title contention, winning two fights. You know, a lot of people question whether or not Oliveira should get this title shot. But again, in October, for that Abu Dhabi card, the timing was perfect. They had booked Gaethje in a BMF title fight with Poirier. Oliveira got the big win over Benil. There's nobody else. They weren't going to do the uh, the Volkanovski fight because they wanted to do Volkanovski versus Deporia in January. Oliveira was like the guy. He just happened to be like he had it all. Coming off a good win, was the most available high-ranked guy, and then the fight fell off. So now like things have changed since then. Gaethje got that big win. A lot has happened since. Now we got Sarukian in there. Like a lot has changed. A lot has changed. But again, I do feel like Oliveira will get the shot. Gaethje is not going to fight Armin Sarukian. And if I was managing Justin Gaethje, I'd say the same thing. I'd be like, no, don't, no, don't fight him. What are you doing? You have a title fight. You're going to fight the winner here. So just, you know, I know you have to sit out for a year because let's just say Makachev Oliveira happens in March. I mean, who knows? Like, would anyone complain about a Islam Makachev, Justin Gaethje main event in, like for International Fight Week? I don't think anybody would complain about that. Makachev wants to fight three times this year. So Makachev fights on that Saudi – if they do Makachev Oliveira on that Saudi Arabia card, and then I, I expect Makachev to win. Would he bounce back to headline International Fight Week against Justin Gaethje? It's a damn good main event right there. I'd I'd be I'd be fired up for that one. So and then maybe you do like if, if that's what happens, maybe you do Saruki and Oliveira on that card. I don't know. Uh, Eddie, do we have you now? Yes. Go ahead, Eddie. Hello. I have you, Eddie. Go ahead. You got me? Hello? I got you. Go ahead. Shit. Hello? Yeah. It's not working. It's on your end, Eddie, not mine. I had you. Uh, Jarrell, go ahead. You're not getting through either. Oh, wait a minute. I got you. Go ahead. Good morning. Long time listener, first time caller. Big fan of yours, the whole MMA fighting team, first and foremost. But Thanks, man. I, I have one thought I wanted your take on. Do you think that the result of Bobby Green and Jalen Turner shows just how hard it is to become a true superstar in MMA and almost shows how much Jorge Masvidal's run was kind of like lightning in a bottle? Masvidal had the run with the till knockout in London, the three-piece in the soda, the Askren knee that really sent him off and basically resulted in him getting called out by Nate, the BMF title, the Rock, Trump, two title shots, and eventually, you know, the, the big Kobe fight. Bobby Green was kind of hot and looked like he had, he had everything going in his favor going into this past weekend, but ultimately couldn't get it done where it mattered the most, which is an actual fight. And, you know, there's other examples like Connor's run and the, the run Sean O'Malley is on now. But I, I kind of don't really think of those 
the same way because those guys, I believe those guys to be truly elite fighters with personalities that would have made them stars regardless. But they also had good fortune while on their respective runs. I kind of look at somebody like Patty, who would be another example of somebody who seemingly had everything in their favor, but not truly being able to capitalize where it mattered the most. And I'm sure there's other people who have gotten like really close, but yeah, I just wanted your thoughts on kind of like the whole star making in the UFC. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because yeah, you, you have to, everything has to like hit at once and sure the promotion can like there's there's guys who are on the contender series that you just knew when they came like uh peyton talbot perfect example the way peyton talbot fights you just knew he was going to get signed no matter what uh because they could do something with him he's got a little bit of flash to him uh he's green as hell and i think matchmaking for him is going to be really interesting because they have to like, they cannot push him too quickly. They have to really slow play him, but I, and he's gotta, he's gotta get a little more charisma as well. Uh, I thought he had a lot more on the contender series and then he wins his UFC debut and it's just like, Oh, that wasn't uh, a great post fight interview. So you gotta kind of have it all. Mazadal, that Mazadal run was just unbelievable because everyone loved, like everyone respected Mazadal. They respected him. Dude had a personality, fought tough fights, just did it all, but could never really get over that hump. And people rooted for him to get over that hump because of what he had given to the sport. And then he knocks out Darren Till at a vicious knockout. Has that moment with Leon after the fact. The three-piece in his soda, like everything that came from that. And the snowball just got bigger and bigger and started rolling downhill faster and faster. Then he gets a foil. Got himself a foil in Ben Askren. And that fight ended the way that it did. And Mazadal just became a bona fide star in that moment. And then he got to headline MSG against Nate and delivered. That was probably the best performance Mazadal has ever had. Like, I know people will look at Mazadal and think of the flying knee and all that and the record-breaking knockout and all that stuff, and that's great. And it was, a, it was a huge moment. But his performance against Nate, like, he beat the hell out of Nate Diaz in that fight. He beat his ass. I was I sat cage-side for that fight. He, he beat up Nate. Now, had it, if it wasn't in New York, they did it anywhere else, and it didn't get stopped, could Nate have done Nate things and turned things around? Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, this was all Mazadal, the entire fight. And Nate didn't really show much at all in that one. So it was just a great performance from Mazadal. And then he got his title shot. And even, even in the title shot, like, he gained a ton in that title shot. Why? Because he took it on super short notice. He caught a whole bunch of weight. And people just said, like, well, Usman didn't want to strike with him. He just foot-stomped him and tackled him the whole fight. And Usman was the quote-unquote boring fighter after that. And then we get the rematch, and Jesus Christ, man. The knockout that Kamar Usman delivered on Jorge Mazdal, it was just like, all right, that's it. It's over. Like, this is the guy. Like, it's, not, it's like the run, the, the lightning in a bottle is gone. Like, it's gone. So... 
yeah, it's just you just got to catch it. Now, had Bobby Green, and this was one of those things, right? Had Bobby Green beat Jalen Turner, like if he went out and knocked out Jalen Turner, then he's got a foil. He's got Armin Sarukian. And you bet your ass the UFC would have booked that fight. Even if, this, even if the, the exact same thing happened in the main event, Sarukian obliterates Benil Dariush in 64 seconds. If Bobby Green went in there and knocked out Jalen Turner, you bet your ass the UFC would have made that fight. They would have made Bobby Green versus Armin Sarukian. They would have built that story. He would have had his foil because Sarukian would have just talked about shit. Bobby would have talked right back. He would have had his foil. And if he goes out there and beats Armin, he's getting a title shot. So, like, he could have – like, the road was there. It could have happened. But Jalen's, Jalen's a tough fight. And that, I, was I concerned about him possibly getting KO'd in the first round? Of course I was. That's why I said in all the shows, like, he's going to have to weather a pretty bad storm. And he just couldn't because Jalen hits hard and he weighs – He's just a gigantic lightweight. So, yeah, I think Bobby could still be. I think Bobby could still be a like one of the tier level stars. I think he'd be like a third tier star. He's a guy you could bring on the road and headline fight night cards, and people will buy tickets to watch him. Is he going to go fight for belt for the belt? No, but doesn't matter. Bobby's over. People like him. But if you get to saw Bobby like getting a number like getting a shot to maybe fight for the belt out of nowhere with all he's given to the sport. Like I think people would have loved that. So yeah, it is very hard. Um, and that's why I equate, like I always say like MMA is like, because it's so new, it's, I compare it to like the eighties, like late mid to late eighties, early to mid nineties of what the WWF WWE was during the, quote-unquote WWF run, where it's, hey, we're not going to pay you a bunch of money, but we're going to give you the opportunity to get over. And if you can get over with the people and get over with the fans, we will notice, and then we will push you, and that's how it is. So when people say, like, oh, stop comparing MMA to pro wrestling, no, this is another example as to why they are entrenched. The UFC provides you an opportunity. They give you the opportunity. Now, would we like to see the fighters make more money? Of course we would, especially after seeing what the UFC is making financially. They're making so much money, they could be paying more. But again, the fighters could also form an association to say, we ain't fighting until you raise that number. But they have chosen not to do that, and that's okay. The lawsuit could change things as well if it all goes into the former fighters' favors, but that's something we have to watch out for as well. But like I said, I always can... Right now, the UFC gives you opportunity. If you get over with the people, good things happen. Look at Charles Oliveira. Look at Max Holloway. Look at Sean O'Malley. Look at Conor McGregor. John Jones, etc. You get over with the people and the people talk about you. The UFC will see that and they will push you. And I think they were starting to see with Bobby. I actually thought the matchmaking with Dan Hooker was absolutely perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. Because Dan Hooker was coming off a great win, but a win he took a lot of damage in. And it could have set Bobby up nicely. But that's what happens. You got to – lightning in a bottle is very hard to find. 
Uh, Masvidal got it. Bobby was close, couldn't quite get there, and it's tough. It's tough to be a star in MMA. It really is. Like, even as popular as Charles Oliveira is, like, he's not a superstar. He's not a tier one guy. He's probably a tier two guy. Like, at best, maybe even, like, a, a tier three star, which is still really good. It's still a really good place to be. Because, like, Sean O'Malley is a tier two star on the cusp of being a tier one. You know what I'm saying? But as long as you're on a tier, it means you're doing quite well for yourself. All right, we'll try Eddie. One, we'll give Eddie one last chance. Eddie, do we have you? Nope, we don't. Yeah, I hear you. Yep, we got you. All That's right, man, finally, my question. I don't know if you answered it yet, but with Giga out, uh, who do you think is going to replace him? Or if anybody at all, um, my 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 opinion is hopefully it's someone that got an easy first-round finish like David Lopez in the Brazil fight on the card or um, maybe someone else. I mean, I heard some rumors that people are wanting to get Aljo in there. I don't know if, how much that's true, but, you know, I don't know if we have any predictions on who might um, replace him. That's all. That's all I'm ask. Um. It's not – I don't think it will be Aljo. I don't think it will be Aljo. Sorry, I'm doing multiple things at once here. Uh, no, I don't think it's going to be Aljo. Someone uh, – CV was on earlier and he mentioned uh, – I don't know if it was CV or not. Maybe, maybe it was. But I, he mentioned Diego Lopez, and I was like, ooh, that's really good. That that actually might that actually might be the correct answer. I don't know if he wants to turn around that quickly, but I love the idea. I love the idea. I'll tell you I'll tell you right now, he will Diego Lopez will be the undisputed rookie of the year in MMA if he takes that fight and wins. Like without question. He's the undisputed rookie of the year. He might be. He might be the rookie of the year right now. Even though he he lost, he has a loss, but that was to Mavzar of Loyev on like less than a week's notice. So we've he's he's proven he can get in there and and perform on short notice. Mavzar of Loyev is a problem, and he went in there and gave him a tough ass fight. So I would probably pick. I would probably pick Diego Lopez to beat Josh Emmett right now. So that would be super interesting. I think that's like the best case scenario all around because Lopez is getting over. He's looked real good. And he's a guy, he's a guy who could become a star. Like he could, he's, he's doing the right things. He's got the hair. He's got the gimmick. He's got it all. So that'd be pretty damn cool. But we're talking less than two weeks. So Lopez would be a good one. Could like a guy like Nate Landwehr do it? Not a bad idea. But Lopez would be perfect. That would be absolutely perfect. Chef's kiss. That's the one. I don't think it'll be Aljo. J-Mac, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, so uh, I was really impressed with Jill and, uh, 
Jalen Turner's performance uh, this weekend, and I just wanted to know. I didn't hear your matchup for him, and I'm just curious. Like, do you have? Do you guys have him ranked in the top ten now? Turner? Uh, no, he won't be in our top ten. He won't be in mine. Really? Okay, because no, he's in my top he ten. Won't be after, after finishing Bobby Green so easily, though, in the first round, it, it's hard not to. And, and also, he kind of got ripped off against Gamrot too. Don't you think? Mm, I thought Gamrot won that fight, but I, 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 I could see why people say that. Where? So I haven't re ranked it yet. I've Turner at. I will have him ranked. Uh, I'm not ranking above like Benoit Santini. I have Benoit Santini at 13 right now. He is not going to be ranked above Benoit Santini. I can tell you that right now. So he'll probably. I had Bobby Green at 14. So and Aubin Mercier is going to be off the rankings because he's retired. BSD will move up. Um. Yeah, he'll be like bottom end of the top 15 for me. Okay, because I didn't hear uh, I didn't hear what you guys came up for him for his next fight. But what about what about uh, Benoit Saint Denis for him next? I think it's a perfect matchup, actually. Thanks, man. Um, thanks, brother. I think Benoit Saint Denis versus Dan Hooker is the fight to make. If BSD is going to wait that long, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like. The UFC has to look at this from a di- from from the perspective of, of what we we're just talking about. Like, who could be, like, who could be a star between Benoit Santini and Jalen Turner? And the answer, unequivocally, is Benoit Santini. It's unequivocally him because of the growth of the sport in in France. Like, Jalen Turner is never going to get a reaction anywhere that Benoit Santini gets in Paris. Never, it's never going to happen. And Turner's a great fighter. He's got a tremendous upside. But I don't know. I mean, look, at, look if they made it, I'd be like, holy shit. Like, that's a great fight. But is the UFC willing to – and I, I think most would pick BSD to win that fight. I would. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if Turner beat him. You could do that. Um, who did I pick? AK picked the rematch of Matt Frivola. I picked... I don't even remember who I freaking picked. Oh, Hinata Moicano. I picked Hinata Moicano. That's who I picked. Look, Jalen is... Lightweight is just a beast of a division. It's a beast of a division. Moicano hasn't fought this year, which kind of stinks because he had so much momentum after the MSG card last year. And he just hasn't been able to get in there. Moicano called him out. I think that's it. I think that's the fight. Because, look, beating Bobby Green is great. Doing it on short notice is great. But he was also a pretty significant favorite to do it. And him starching Bobby Green in the first round was not a shocking development. It just wasn't. So I felt there's two options. It's Grant Dawson or it's Hanata Moicano. And I think Moicano is the better option. So I think that's what he's going to get. I don't think he's going to gain a ton from this, from this win. And it's, that's one of the unfortunate things about the storyline of the fight is that it was more about the referee and not about Jalen. And that's not Jalen's fault. But it was just good for him to get back. Let's... 
Throw him in there with with a with a vet like Moicano. Let's see what he can do. The last time he was in there with a with a tough grizzled veteran, he lost. He got outdogged by Dan Hooker. Let's see what Moicano can do. I think that's the fight to make. But 155 is the best division in the sport. You can't go wrong. But yeah. Uh, Four Corner Sports, you are last. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. Mike, um, so I, I'm pretty sure you guys already talked about this a lot, but um, I, I, with, with Giga being out, so Lerone Murphy um, on Twitter tried to put his name in, into that hat. Um, how do you, if Lerone was to get to fight, how do you feel like that fight would stylistically go between Lerone versus uh, Josh Emmett? Um, I think that Lerone was being like actual, actually sincere when he said that he wanted to fight multiple times throughout the year instead of once per year, like how he has in the past. I think that, in my opinion, Lerone could be like a top 10, maybe like a, a top five um, featherweight if he continues to actually fight. Just wanted to get your perspective to see if that fight was to happen. How do you see that fight playing out? And what's the likelihood that um, the UFC books uh, Misha Tate versus Holly Holm 2 for UFC 300? Uh, it, if they don't, then something's terribly wrong. So I would say, I don't know. I mean, look, did they do it for UFC 300? I think that's the perfect place for it. Could they do it somewhere else? Could they do a fight night on the road? Have that be the main event? Sure. You do it at Albuquerque. You do it in New Mexico. You could do it in Vegas. You could do it anywhere. Um, two fighters who are stars. That would do well. As long as you give it like a really good supporting cast, I think that would do pretty well. So I think three out of the perfect spot for it. Um, Lerone Murphy. So look. I'm surprised I didn't get more questions about the the leaked board from the Dana White interview with the Nelk boys. Uh, and one of the fights that was on the board uh, was Dan Ige versus Lerone Murphy. I believe it was for the February 10th card. Um, there is smoke to that fight. Uh, I'm told February 10th might be not the date. That maybe they want to move it back a little bit, a couple weeks perhaps, maybe the end of the month. Maybe do it on the twenty fourth, but that would be Mexico City, so that wouldn't really make all this that sense. So, um, yeah, look, Lerone's not a bad option either. Lerone's not a bad option, but if he's getting Dan Ige, why not just wait for Dan Ige? You know what I mean? I don't know. Be interesting. But I think the honestly, I love the Diego Lopez idea. I love that idea because Lopez is over, and like if he goes in short notice and just like is somewhat competitive with Josh Emmett and loses, like no one's gonna give a shit. No one's gonna care. I don't know if they have. I don't know if it's the same with Larone. I don't know if it's like that because Larone. I mean, we've been waiting for Larone to get a big fight. And Danny gets pretty big fight. Do you risk it on the Emmett fight? Because if he loses, I don't know if like. It's, I think it hurts him more than it would hurt a Diego Lopez. Because I think Lopez is over more with people. So we'll see. I mean, if they make it, I'd be super interested in it. I'd probably pick Larone to win. But I would – I kind of like the Lopez idea better. I kind of like that idea better. But we'll see what ends up coming up from this. Uh, they may not find anybody. 
They may not find anybody. Maybe, maybe someone takes in, they do it at 55 or they do it at 50. I don't know. Maybe Elvis Brenner. Like Elvis Brenner is not a bad idea. I'd watch, I'd watch that. That's a good one. Maybe do Elvis Brenner 155 versus Josh Emmett. Like that'd be a good one. If Josh wants to fight a lightweight, you can do something like that. He had a quick, quick one in his last one. I don't know. I don't know. Not sure what we do here. Maybe Jalen Turner wants to bounce right back. Uh, And do it at one fifty-five, but that's not going to happen. Obviously, I'm just throwing things out at this point. So, yeah, Murphy's a good one. Landaware would be fun. People like him, and he would gain a a whole bunch from beating a Josh Emmett after losing to Danny Gay. But I, I think Diego Lopez is the best is the best option. I think Diego Lopez is the best option. Uh, someone had DM me earlier asking about the Mexico City card because we we confirmed on Saturday uh, the co-main event, at least as of right now, between Brandon Moreno and Amir Albazi for that targeted Mexico City card on February twenty fourth. Um, there were talks, and this there were talks about Yaya Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega as being the main event, and that is being discussed as well. Um, that fight is not done yet. It, it, I'm trying to, like, figure out the way. And it could happen. It could happen in Mexico City. Like, it really it, – it, there's a chance. There's talks about possibly doing it the week before in Anaheim, perhaps, but not – that fight's long and the short of it, from what I'm told. As of right now, it's not done. But it seems like that's the matchup we're going to get. It's just a matter of whether it happens in Mexico City, and you do Moreno as the main event, or do you do it in Anaheim with the featherweight title on the line in the main event? I don't know. I don't know. That's where that's at right now. I, I think that's what I think we're going to get that fight in February. It's just a matter of where it happens and when it happens. Um, I kind of want to see it in Mexico City. I think it's a better spot. Um, but I can understand Anaheim as well. You got the title fight on there. Ortega's from California, so he would get a big pop. Um, but all, honestly, um, Yair would get a big pop there as well. So, I don't know. So, we'll see what happens there. But, by the way, it's going to be fun this year. This is going to be a fun year for 145. I think we're going to get a, a, some movement. We're going to see some of these up-and-comers get their opportunities, try to make the most of them. And it should be uh, – 2024 should be really fun for 145. But, all right, we're done. I got to go. Uh, thank you all very much. I appreciate you all. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll do it again, 10 a.m. Eastern. And we'll get you ready for UFC Shang Vegas, which is coming up this Saturday, headlined by Song Yidong and Chris Gutierrez. So thank you all very much. Appreciate you. Back on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. 
have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.